0: Welcome to the So What's Next podcast, a podcast for Benny's and Johnny's by Bennies and Johnny's answering some of the biggest questions and making meaningful connections between alums and the world around us. back to So What's Next, a podcast helping alums and students navigate uncertain futures through stories and narratives from those who have experiences to share. Finding your true north is covered in hyperbole cliches. How many times have you been told to follow your passion? It's a message that appears in everything from graduation speeches to job ads. We even say it ourselves. Finding your passions is hard enough. Learning how to work with your real passions every day that much harder. Many argue that the biggest purpose of attending college is to find and pursue your passions, but how can a four-year stretch piled with papers, tests, extracurriculars, and new everything really give the proper time to reflect and pursue what is most important and what you're passionate about? According to a 2019 Deloitte survey of 3,000 full-time U.S. workers across all job levels and industries, only 20% say they are truly passionate about their work. Research that others have conducted show that many, if not most, of us do not know how to pursue our passion, and thus we fail to do so. Many of us want to pursue our passions, and our companies, colleagues, friends, and family commonly encourage this too. But the fact is, we often don't know how to do this, or even where to start. Viewing passion fluidly as a challenging, ongoing process that can and should change over time should be welcomed. After all, it could lead you to traveling the globe and adventuring with some of the world's leading brands, influencers, and explorers. That's exactly what happened to Scott Crans, SJU class of 2007, when he decided to leave his cushy desk job and begin a new life filled with adventure, photography, and filmmaking in some of the world's most beautiful places. And I have to say, if you don't already follow Scott on Instagram... I recommend you do so after this episode. It's certainly worth a follow. Thanks for being here, Scott,
1: and welcome. Thanks, Andrew, for having me. I'm just honored to be here and looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Before we hop into the bulk of this episode, I'd love to know what you've been up to recently. It looks like you just got back to your home in Seattle from a pretty sweet trip to the American Southwest.
1: That is right. Yeah, I I actually took a road trip down to the Southwest. Spent most of my time in Utah. I was down there um, on a photo shoot with a uh, a client uh, for Sony, shooting a kind of an exciting conceptual project um, with a, another colleague. And uh, all of it will be rolling out next uh, month, which is June as of the time we're recording this. But um, one of one of my most exciting projects I've shot in, a, in some time. And I can tell you right now, it's we ended up creating some visuals that are pretty much unlike anything I've created before. So I'm truly excited and I have to be patient and, and before we roll it out uh, in June.
0: You're set up quite the teaser there. So in order to be working with brands like Sony and doing these incredible projects in Utah and some of these remote beautiful places, you must have quite a journey to get to, you know, doing brand photography for somebody that large. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you are today doing the work that you're doing as an artist? Um, What did you go to school um, for at St. John's? And what professional direction did you take after college before ultimately getting to where you are now?
1: Yeah, my my story is one with a lot of twists and turns, uh, but uh, it yeah, no doubt originates at St. John's. Uh, I am a Minnesota, um, you know, native. I was born and raised in Hastings, and uh, St. John's was always kind of the clear choice where I would go to college and university. Which you know, you know, even just saying that reflects the you know the privilege that I have and had, um, you know, that that college and university would be a given. But um, yeah, with that luck and privilege and and uh, to, to land a spot in St. John's, uh, that's where my journey start, started. And as a freshman, I actually didn't quite know what I wanted to do, which I, I can't imagine is too uncommon, um, you know, jumped around a little bit from major to major that very first semester. And um, it was really only, that uh, second uh, spring semester, of that freshman year, that I discovered philosophy at St. John's, and um, despite that being maybe a smaller department, I'm not sure what it, where it currently stands today, or maybe you know a uh, you know a, you know unusual uh, choice for you know whatever path you might take, it was something that absolutely resonated with me, and I didn't hesitate too long to make philosophy my major. And, uh, that was my major through and through. And also I happened to study, uh, both business and French, which were kind of a double minor, uh, as well, which again might be unusual, but those, those also kind of, you know, maybe if I didn't even know at the time laid some foundation for where the journey took me ultimately, but, uh, to stick with the, the chapter of, of, of St. John's, um, you know, it, uh really thoroughly enjoyed my my four years there I met my beautiful wife uh, a Benny uh, through track and um, following St. John's um, decided to go into the law and uh, that choice was largely a function of my recognizing the skill set that I enjoyed as a philosophy major and um, which is a skill set that is you know fully utilized and um and emphasized in the law as you know, as a law student and eventually as an attorney. So um, started in law school in in uh, in St. Paul, following St. John's. I didn't didn't skip a beat. I went right in. But make no mistake, I did get some you know travels in through the travel abroad you know study abroad program at St. John's, which was fantastic and smart, smart. Which, um, which also does relate a bit to kind of the origins of photography for me. I, I know that that's kind of where I maybe started taking, you know, some imagery uh, connected with travels and outdoors. And again, it was it was definitely a hobby at the time. But, uh, you know, following graduation, and then law school, and as law school tended tends to do, uh, leads leads individuals into, uh, you know, private practice or or legal practice of sorts. And I found myself at a, um, you know, bit of a high powered litigation firm in Minneapolis. And that's, that's truly my original career as a, as a litigation attorney in Minneapolis, which was incredibly exciting uh, and challenging in, in so many ways, including, you know, good intellectual ways. And uh, that's, that's really where things started out for me um, in terms of my career. And before we even, you know, had the thought of, of moving out of Minnesota. So.
0: So was there, a moment when you knew you wanted to switch your career trajectory? Because, I mean, philosophy major at St. John's, you go and get your JD, you end up at a, at a very high profile law firm in the Twin Cities. What was the moment like when you knew and how did you know? Um, because I think that there's a pretty clear distinction that you can make even in that story of, you know, doing something that you're good at and, and makes good money and there's a life out of that. And then understanding that there's passions involved and that the road might not be as clear. There had to have been something that clicked in a moment that really made you make that leap.
1: Yeah, there were a few forks in the road. I remember when I was in college debating between philosophy graduate school and law school. And I knew what I, I knew what I enjoyed from a skill set and even the subject matter. And it could have been that I had had chosen a different path and went into philosophy graduate school school and who knows what my story would would have been like had I made that choice but I ended up making you know I just ended up making the choice I did went into law school which even though I don't currently practice law I don't regret in the least I do believe in the in the dots connecting um, which we can definitely get into later, but, uh, another fork in the road was undoubtedly after a few years of practice in Minneapolis, you know, it was an exciting time. There's no doubt. And, uh, but after a few years, I did get a bit of clarity and asked myself if at least that type of practice, if not the law as a whole was the best fit for me in light of my personality and the lifestyle that I wanted to live. And there was still probably more question marks, questions than answers at that point in time. But one thing became relatively clear, which was I was ready and willing to try out something new. And that something new ended up being both a move to the Pacific Northwest. My wife, Jill, is uh, is uh, is originally from Washington and we, we moved uh, to Seattle in 2013. I did pick up the law again in Seattle, but at a much smaller firm. And, uh, and so I was able to experience a little bit of a different kind of legal setting. Um, But at the same time, as, as my, my story, you know, as my story is told, that also was the moment I just discovered the outdoor scene in the Pacific Northwest. And it's, it's hard to miss it, I suppose, when you're really out there, Um, it's pretty much everywhere you look. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, stunning. That's for sure.
0: So let let's let's make a pivot here and talk about photography now as a passion and a business because that's that's what you're currently doing and pursuing. Um, how did that love for photography develop? And it sounds like you just touched on it. it. It really started to you know take leaps and bounds when you moved to the Pacific Northwest. Um, how did you build up the confidence and courage to um, take on those skills and passions and turn it into a business? And now. That is 2021, and you've been there for eight, nine years. There must be a difference in the approach to your craft when it's a passion versus when it's your livelihood, too.
1: Yeah, all good questions. Uh, the steps I took early on were doing, you know, a number of things. Uh, one of when one of which was just kind of improving the craft uh, of photography, recognizing that it was. Something that gave me joy and that I wanted to take seriously, and you know, and so basically soaking up all that I could in terms of what I could learn, um, uh, you know, the experiences that that I could, uh, you know, um, develop, um, connecting with other more established photographers, both hobby photographers and professional photographers at the time, learning what it was like to become a photographer, utilizing those resources and those the the community that you have, whether it's whether it's a community through your you know university or your original career or your geographical community, just making making use of that. And uh, after developing and strengthening that skill set and and doing that due diligence as a as an a, you know a then attorney would do, I, I came to the point of of, Wanting to try something completely new out and that at that time back in at the beginning of 2015 was that something new was photography, you know, a seemingly 180 degree turn from my legal career, but it was something that clearly excited me so much that um, I was willing to give it a try, give it my best at the time I said, I would give it, you know, give it my best shot for a year and see how far I could take it and reevaluate after a year. And again, incredible privilege and opportunity to even test, you know, a new career like that out. Um, But uh, yeah, now in my seventh year and, uh, and I I can say I haven't looked back, but at the same, that would, that would maybe be a lie. You know, i am I've always looking, looking back at where I, where I came from and what I've learned and, that informs, um, you know, the direction that I'm taking into the future. And I can tell you year in and year out is a constant learning experience. And, um, you know, I, you know, was maybe a bit presumptuous at the very beginning. And um, although I, I, you know, had great successes leading into my first several years as a photographer, I can tell you right now, even to date this year, I'm learning more than I ever have, especially about the business side. And um, yeah, and I'm and, and just growing every single day, every single week in terms of, of not only being a freelance photographer, but also a, a business owner.
0: Right. And, and I want to dig into that a little bit because I I think a lot of people in, in the world of, of Instagram and, and the world of, of digital media, they'll subscribe to the ideas of dream jobs um and there's this i don't know if stigma is the right word but we'll call it stigma there's the stigma of you know our dream jobs really achievable and why are they so hard to achieve and are they as hard to achieve as they seem and so you, you were you were digging into that into your progress through photography and, and what you're learning and how you're continuously learning so do you do you even subscribe to the idea of a dream job would this be your dream job, um, and if so, what makes
1: it that? I, I believe I would subscribe to the concept that there are there is a dream job for each of us. However, I would maybe not define a dream job as one that is is uh, void of of struggles and challenges and and things of that sort. So, so I, I would I you know putting a caveat on my answer, but. Um, But even so, even, even with those struggles and, and, and failures and challenges and ups and downs, even, even so, I believe that can still be a dream job. And, uh, I can honestly say that what I do, you know, fits the bill for a dream job, because when I ask myself if, you know, if I didn't have to make another dollar and if, I could do, you know, whatever I wanted with say a year that was opened up for me or if I had all of the opportunity in the world to do whatever I wanted to do, what would I be doing? And I and I often answer that question with pretty much exactly what I'm doing right now. So I feel incredibly lucky and um and I I do my best to not take that for granted and um and I also recognize that you know, everybody's circumstances are incredibly different, and uh, I'm just, you know, recognize the the great fortune and privilege that I have to be able to do what I do, and uh, yeah, and and to to do something that I consider a dream job. So, it's uh, it's you know, I, I often have to pinch myself sometimes when I'm, I'm tackling a project, and thinking that you know I'm I'm being hired to to create what I'm creating, share what I'm um, sharing. And uh, so, but all with that understanding, I, I just try to be better every day.
0: On, the, on that same vein of, of, of creating and ultimately sharing um, and storytelling through visuals um, in, in your work, how does social media influence and support your work? Um, you know, is there a catch to having an Instagram worthy job? You know, what are, what are some of the underlying things that come along? with having Instagram-worthy work or very, very public work in your case? Um, some things that maybe a lot of people don't notice on the surface level when they're just looking at it through a social media feed or on your website.
1: Yeah, no, all great questions. I, I would say as a visual storyteller, a you know, a, a creative, um, social media and, and Instagram in, uh, in particular is an incredibly useful tool and medium and means of sharing your work with, you know, uh, you know, the, a community, your audience, uh, people that, you know, may, might be able to support your work in a variety of ways. So um, I've been, you know, although I, of course, have, you know, as, as many people do, uh, you know, a slightly complex relationship with social media. There's good and bad things, of course, but yeah, yeah. Um, I have been thankful for what it is, which is, um, you know, Instagram and other social media platforms as a, you know, as a means of connecting with people, sharing uh, the experiences uh, that I have in the outdoors in particular and sharing what I create when I'm out there. And that's, uh, that's an amazing you know, a gift to have to be able to to share, you know, those experiences and those stories. Um, in in terms of you know uh, the social media and you know the the appearance it can give, you know, I, I I've always said from the beginning I, I really treat social media as this and, and Instagram in particular more so as my gallery of images. As opposed to a recording of of my life, and and certainly not my, you know, my private life. Um, so it's it's more than anything, uh, kind of a, a highlight reel. And so if your approach or you know your, you know your your use of social media is is some some you know assume it's it's supposed to be representative of someone's life, well how I use social media, which again is, is essentially as a gallery of my edited, you know, uh, imagery and, and visual work. Um, that's, you know, there's, there's a conflict there, but with that understanding with how I use it, I, I feel, um, I use it in a healthy manner and in an effective manner that complements my business. And, uh, it's at the end of the day, I've, I've, I've made some of my closest, you know, uh, friendships and adventure partnerships and whatnot with people that I've happened to connect with on social media, because, um, you know, I see, you know, another person has, you know, was visiting a mountain that I just visited or uh, heading down to the, south, the Southwest and um, at a spot that I, I'm soon to be at. And so those, those happy accidents lead to connections and can often lead to friendships and, and partnerships and, um, other ways, other sorts of collaborations.
0: I think that's a super good um, success story or analogy for how to really take advantage of, of social media, whether or not you have, you know, 400,000 followers on Instagram or whether or not it's, it's your personal tool. I think you, you, you nailed it at the beginning. Everybody has some sort of tenuous relationship with social media in some way or another and it, it only seems to compound on itself with, with every year that it, it ages, um, social media that is. Um, and if you can find ways to leverage it and, and use it in, I think, the inherently good ways it was intended, um, community, um, you know, making friends, learning, you know, harnessing your curiosity and, and learning more about somebody else and the work that they're doing. Um, a lot of good can come from that, and and I think what you just described is something that everybody that's listening to this should try to also prescribe to, whether it's for their their business or their startup or their personal lives too. There's there's a lot of you know difficulty in navigating the the day to day with social media, and, and there definitely are good things when you scrape away all the dark um, that you can take away from it. Flipping to all the stuff that happens before the pictures come out all beautiful on on instagram and on social media and the prints there's got to be a lot of ambiguity that you navigate um i've been following you for quite a while now and it looks like it's a lot of overnight drives really remote areas um sleeping in the camp in the back of the truck or in the tent and then intense days of shooting and editing that can't be easy what's that like um does that play at all into maybe why you need to be so passionate about something like this in order to be successful.
1: Yeah. I mean, to the, to the extent those are difficulties, you know, uh, long late night drives and, and uh, (laughs) sleeping outdoors and uh, you know, being subject to mosquitoes and, and, uh, uh, and things of that sort. Don't get me wrong. There's, there are times when I'm completely exhausted and my legs are, are zapped with exhaustion and, and, and things of that sort. But, um, you know, when it comes to adversity, that's gotta be the best and most privileged kind. And, uh, so there are definitely pros and cons. And, um, you know, those days when I, when I, you know, because my work is physical and, and that's by design, you know, as an outdoor photographer, I'm often needing and wanting to shoot some of the most remote and, uh, you know, rugged, you know, landscapes that I can find. And, um, which leads to, you know, being in my, you know, mid thirties, uh, can be an, lead to an exhausted body and, uh, you know, and mind. Um, but even so, um, the pros are, are, you know, outweigh, any such cons and any other cons a million times over, in my opinion, and uh, the joy of, of, of experiencing what I experience, witnessing what I witness, and then sharing what I create out there is, is so fulfilling and really keeps uh, my drive alive. And, um, and more so just you know, the excitement of what is around the corner in terms of exciting projects, there's always a new place to explore, a new trail to hike down, a new peak to climb up to. And uh, and so, yes, pros and cons are wrapped into every time we step outdoors and, um, you know, uh, test the waters or, you know, take an uncertain path. But I think that's where the beauty lies. And, uh, and, and that's how it makes it. That's why it makes it exciting. That's for sure. Before I wrote the script
0: for this episode and and some of the questions that i was going to ask you i reached out to a handful of young alums or new graduates as of a couple of weeks ago to ask them what they would ask you from their perspective you know aspiring photographers whether it was something they were looking to achieve professionally or something that they were doing more as a passion project um and they consistently asked this question and it always revolved around Your photography and your filmography style. So what makes an ideal photograph for you? What's your favorite type of shooting and and the best
1: part of the job? What, you know, what does it take to get that ideal photograph and that type of shooting? Yeah, what makes an ideal photograph? I think I can answer that for myself. And then I can be a bit presumptuous and try to maybe more generally answer that in general. I, I think more generally speaking uh, a photograph that is ideal or or um you know uh you know successful um whatever you want to call it is one that that allows the the creator the photographer to convey what he she or they wish to convey um whatever message or story uh they wish to share if that's being if that's being shared through the imagery, I think that's the most successful thing. Now, we can do that in a more effective way through uh, stronger composition and um, making use of the uh, best sort of lighting um, and uh, at times using the proper equipment if it's a specialty type of shot. But um, with all those said, I think the, the ideal photograph is one that that shares shares that message, that story, that feeling that you want to share. And for me, it's often sharing the feeling of being in these wild places. Um, I know that not, not everyone. And, and, and that's an understatement. Many people don't have access, don't have the ability or um, you know, even any sort of opportunity to, to step into the landscapes that I'm able to step into and um, given how the this local landscape and these mounds in particular have, you know, really shaped my, my path in life and transformed, you know, my life's work and my journey. Um, I, it's, it's my kind of core, you know, goal to share those and uh, share those experiences, share those visuals and, and hopefully convey what it feels like to be there and, and um, to can basically, you know, um, share how special these places are. Um, in terms of my favorite type of shooting, it's, you know, in a, in a, you know, to answer that briefly, it's outdoor shooting. I'm undoubtedly biased to the outdoors and in particular, you know, more wild areas, the wilderness areas and mountainous areas. But by but, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to the outdoors, I really, um, don't discriminate. I will shoot, you know, desert scenes and coastal scenes. And I've had the great fortune of, of, of shooting on all seven continents including among the penguins on Antarctica. And so I've, I've been able to see the mountains, you know, all, all around the world and, and the beautiful natural, uh, you know, landscapes all around the world. And, um, so anything outdoors, I'm there. And, and that's also the best part of my job. There's no question. Is there any
0: one or, or two um, photographers or mentors that, that really stood out to you in your formative years of kind of learning the ropes and, and building your prowess in photography that you looked up to and still look up to today?
1: Yeah, one photographer that um, I've met very briefly, but has been one that is, is, you know, in the upper echelons of the industry and who has been a constant, you know, inspiration and and guidance with respect to my work is Jimmy Chin, um, who has, of course, become a household name after, uh, you know, directing the film, um, you know, Free Solo and things of that sort, yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, Jimmy Chin's work has been a truly an inspiration uh, for me and given his focus on shooting in hard to reach places and unique stories of people pushing their limits within those, those environments. Um, there's no, there's no question that, you know, he's, his work has been, you know, kind of always in mind when I'm out there, you know, you know, directing my work and, and, uh, you know, heading down the path of my creative journey. So,
0: Right. And, and people like you or Jimmy Chin or Chris Burkhardt or other, you know, masterful photographers, they, there's obviously an element of paying it forward, right? Storytelling happens visually, but you can also teach a lot. Um, photo education looks like it's a big component of what you do, offering photo instruction, courses, workshops. It actually looks like you just released a workshop in Mount Rainier National Park in late July, I think I saw, um, with a colleague and a National Geographic contributor. Um, In a continuously photo-driven and and digital moment-driven world, it seems like more people are becoming interested in learning about the intricacies of photography and the ability to storytell in that way. Tell me a little bit more about how these courses and workshops contribute to the work you and other people in your field are doing.
1: Yeah, photo education has become, is a growing aspect of my business. It it was an aspect fairly early on, you know, within a year or two, I was doing more informal uh, photo education and um, both one-on-one and as part of groups in the outdoors. And, and that part of my business has grown and grown every single year. And it's really coming to the forefront even this year. And, um, which is definitely kind of part of my quote unquote, what's, what's next. A, a definitely a growing, you know, uh, um, you know, offerings and and in ways that I serve the people around me, again, whether it's one on one mentorships, or, um, you know, field workshops with small groups or large groups, or, um, you know, even up and coming, you know, some video courses that I'm hoping to offer both on the art of photography and the business of photography. But um, it's, you know, it one thing has if one thing has remained constant that I even maybe failed to mention through college and law school and my legal career and now photography is that I love uh, teaching and and educating and, and serving those around me and, and just sharing what I know so that if if someone wants to do something similar to myself, you know, even if it's just shooting. Creating photographs in an outdoor setting. I want to help them achieve that goal, and so it's been super exciting to build up kind of my photo education, you know, aspect of my overall business. And um, yeah, and as you mentioned, the the field workshop in the in Mount Rainier National Park, which we were, you know, one of the lucky what lucky uh, recipients of a commercial use authorization, and are thrilled to be able to. To, to, to do that type of workshop inside the park proper. And luckily that sold out within 24 hours. So we were just thrilled at that positive response, but um, very soon well, I, I will be offering a, a number of other workshop offerings from one day to two day to, to night photography and things like that. So very excited to continue with that and just always so fulfilled and thrilled when I can help someone just advance, uh, you know, and level up their own photography. It's super exciting.
0: Sounds like the Bennys and Johnnies that are interested in this uh, type of thing should really shoot you a note and and hop on board with some of these education classes. And maybe I sense a part-time professorship in your future. You know, that's my shameless plug to heading back to Collegeville for maybe a year or something and working there.
1: <laughs> that doesn't sound bad. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you, know, you never know where the path will lead.
0: Right. Right. Got to keep an open mind. Um, on, on that note of, of the education piece, I I want to dive a little bit into that and, and say you're giving a, a workshop right now. And what are some of the elements that nobody tells you about when you're shooting? So you just got back from doing this really, um, intricate project in Utah. Um, you know, what are, what are the things that had to happen to get the shots that you wanted that you don't see by looking at the finished product?
1: Yeah some of, some of the questions that I that I might answer in a workshop or or things that I would share that you know say I do behind the scenes in a, in a photo shoot like the one I did in the in the Utah, in Utah recently is that there there's really no right or wrong way to create an image so long as you are are kind of seeing and engaging with the environment around you and capturing what, really captivates you and what you want to share. I, I, I've been part of certain workshops and other kind of you know you know settings in the field where I'm giving some instruction or some guidance. and it's not uncommon for a, a beginner photographer to ask me what they should be shooting or what settings they should be using uh, to, to create a, a good photograph. Or um, you know, what gear do they do they need that they don't have to achieve the next level? And um, all fair questions and questions that I asked myself when I was learning and, and very early on, but it's become clear to me that there's no one piece of gear, there's no particular camera setting. Uh, there's nothing in particular that you that you can just automatically point your camera at to create, uh, a, a quote unquote good photograph it really it really just has to reflect like your experience and your perspective of of the surroundings that you happen to be walking through or climbing through or traveling through and if you are ultimately creating what captivates you and, and it 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 comes through in the final image like that is a success but, um, and to to more directly answer your question about like what all goes on behind the scenes, you know, it, it varies. Sometimes I really pre-visualize a particular image, and on other times uh, it's quite spontaneous and impromptu. Um, and uh, you know, to use the the example of of uh, my recent Utah trip, that was a very unique type of shooting in um, kind of unique desert formations, actually in the nighttime. And we were using lights um, to kind of "quote unquote" paint the desert formations and rocks around us. Um, again, these will these will be uh, shared and 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 be viewable in time. You know, come late June. But um, in that role, it was a very active it was a very active job or role that we had to take to create the images in front of us. And if only we actually. Kind of adopted a more active role every time we were shooting, day or night, city or in the in the outdoors, um, whether it's a person or a natural setting. Like if we feel like we are being more active in what we create and, and engaging with the environment around us, I do feel like the visuals and, and pictures we create will be more fulfilling and will be more successful in conveying what we want to convey. So long-winded way of explaining all all that, you know, in a very summary way of explaining all that goes behind a a photograph. But um, I can say everybody's journey, you know, creative journey is different and learning journey is different. And um, I'm always just thrilled when I can uh, team up with someone else and and guide their own. For people
0: who are listening to this and still trying to define their journey um, for the sake of this podcast, you know, they're still asking themselves that question. So what's next? what words of advice do you have for them, especially in, in a creative job or being their own boss? Um, what can they be doing now to stay passionate, stay interested, um, grow, and eventually make that leap if they if they see the avenue to do so?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a number of things I would say. One is to just really keep a strong sense of curiosity about, you know, what interests you and, and really go deeper. Um, we can always, always go deeper into those subjects, whether it's, uh, you know, a physical landscape or, you know, a, an intangible, you know, subject to, to mull over um, whatever it is, whatever, you know, whatever your passion is to, to be curious and really explore further and, and not only just kind of latch on to what is your interest without more, really find that overlap between what you're interested in and, and what you excel in and how it, how it can allow you to serve others. It's, you know, when we talk about dream jobs or, you know, what you're passionate about, you know, those are the, the age old, the questions to help someone, you know, guide them to, you know, an eventual career. But, and, and I think those are fair questions to ask, but I always, I always, um, would recommend going a bit further and asking yourself, where do those things overlap with how you can uniquely serve others? And, and that, in that overlap, I think is is where, you know, that, that unique opportunity lies. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, you, you may not have be in a position to see that overlap, given where you are in that journey. And you kind of just have to trust that dots connect even if you have one career that leads to a seemingly unrelated career next you know the dots connect and you will eventually see if if you really stay in tune with what both what you're passionate about and how you can uniquely serve others um you know you'll 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 find that opportunity where those two overlap and in time you will you'll see your path and whether whether you have the, the privilege and the opportunity and the circumstances to take that path at that given time is a different story. You may or may not ha- have the ability to do so, but in time, I would hope that once they do see that overlap and that opportunity that they can, they can eventually take that path. Cause I would, I would call that your, your life's work, your calling, your, your reason to be whatever you want to call it. Your true
0: North. Yeah.
1: That's <laughs> a, north. that's a great, that's a great way
0: to end and pivot into the last question. Lots of uh, wisdom to take away, especially from that last piece there. Um, we'll end this podcast the same way that we end this podcast with every episode. And, and that's asking you, Scott. So what's next? Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing this from you in particular, as I'm sure there's, there's plenty of fun things up your sleeve. You did touch on it with the workshops at Rainier, um, but I'd love to hear what the rest of 2021 and beyond looks like for you.
1: Yeah, beyond, uh, you know, building up and bringing to the for- forefront my photo education part of my business, um, I'm super excited to to share what we created in the Southwest. Again, to mention that once more, very excited to be part of um, a few upcoming films, one of which has to do with the North Cascades, which, you know, in, for my story and, you know, is hands down one of the most special places on earth for me. So, so excited to be part of a a kind of an exciting legacy film that will, will be, you know, quite a bit further down the road, but, uh, part of my, you know, my journey for the next, you know, year or two, hopefully. And, um, you know, and it's also, you know, more on the business side is, is kind of growing a team around me is what's next. And I've been, you know, a solopreneur for, for many years, and it's it's clear to to truly grow and to really um, you know uh, ensure that my time is spent on on those core creative functions that I really want to make you know the, the the core of of my work moving forward as is, is requires building a team a strong cohesive team that is you know uh, filled with leaders and people that take ownership so super excited to to do that and i'm kind of at in the middle of that journey as well so so many you know many things uh are next are coming up for me and i'm just you know as always excited for whatever uh whatever the whatever unfolds for me
0: it definitely sounds like an exciting time
1: geez um lastly how can
0: people find you where should they be looking to to connect with you to see your work um to interact and maybe some of the workshops that you're going to be putting on where, where can, where can people go on,
1: on socials and
0: on the internet to find you?
1: My main website is, is my name, wwwscott cranscom That's K R A N Z. And then most everywhere on social media is, is my name at Scott underscore Krans. And, um, you know, uh, and the website would definitely be probably the best place to look into photo education opportunities, workshops or otherwise. Um, but uh, yeah, just super thankful that you had me on and, and um, looking forward to connecting with you and for any audience members that are interested in, in connecting and wanting to learn more about what I do or the Seattle or the mountains here in the Pacific Northwest. Please don't hesitate to either visit my site or my social media Uh, shoot me a direct message I would love to to keep the conversations going
0: awesome and thanks so much again Scott Um, this was a fantastic 40 minutes and I think all of us can safely say after listening that we learned a lot
1: appreciate it oh my pleasure thanks Andrew
0: thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of so what's next if you have any questions about this episode or would like more resources, please DM the YAC Instagram page or email us at csbsjuyac at gmail.com, and we will get in touch. Joining us next month is CSB graduate Jonathan Doon, whose incredible career spans from working at Pillsbury, in the White House, the Republican National Convention, Coke Industries, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and more make sure you tune back in to give it a listen in the middle of July. In the meantime, subscribe to So What's Next on your platform of choice and share it with your friends. We are looking forward to seeing you here next time.